great future. We're talking real money. You just can't get away from us, can you? Try as you might, the podcast keeps popping up, popping up on your favorite podcast service. It is important, though, because this is life we're dealing with. This is not frivolity. This is not stuff that doesn't matter. This is your future we're talking about here. And folks, if you don't get this right, you generally don't get a second chance because by the time you figure out you haven't done it right, you're probably too late and you're going to enjoy your retirement a lot less than you should. And that's why we strive every single day on the Talking Real Money podcast to try and make this stupid stuff make more sense because the folks on Wall Street are not working in your interest. They're really not. If they were, they wouldn't keep inventing this stupid stuff like leveraged exchange-traded funds. Oh, if exchange-traded funds aren't good enough for you, just buying the stocks and whatever in there, why don't we buy you two times the stocks or three times the stocks and borrow the money to do it? And there was an article in the Wall Street Journal recently that discussed this, and it actually talked about leveraging glowing terms? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's misleading if you read the article. The headline says, are leveraged exchange-traded funds worth the costs and risk? Then the subheadline says, for most fund categories, the answer is yes, according to new research. <laughs> you know, but... I'm ready to take this stuff apart. I know. Then you start diving into it and wow. I mean, okay, so... This is from the Wall Street Journal. Says Wall Street the Journal. S&P, this is a reputable yeah, name. Exactly. It says the S&P 500 delivered an average annual return of 12.6% over the past 10 years. By the way, do not expect that into the future. While an average two times Or we'll get leverage, yelled at if we say you should. Yeah, I know. The average two times leverage. So that means you're taking the S&P, mm-hmm. borrowing money, right? Because you've got to right. So it's a up. 2X fund, yep. which means, let me just get this right then I should expect yep. something pretty darn close to two times the return of the S&P 500. The article says that would have been a 25.1% annualized return over the past 10 years. Wow. I could have done that math in my head, but pretty, okay. Pretty yeah. good. Um, But it actually delivered 198 a wait a year. minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I somehow I think so we're that's a tracking error. Five point three percent. That's exactly. Look at you! You're really on the math. I'm um, telling you, <laughs> this and, is the hard stuff. And but here, how about this one? Yeah, you you love those small caps, right? And really, because they're more volatile. <laughs> we do, we do love the small caps. Great returns. I mean, if the, you love just owning small caps, how much will I love owning them multiplied? Like. Three times, three times Ooh, ETFs for the Russell 2000 actually perform worse than the Russell 2000 index itself. Again, from the Wall Street Journal, over the past 10 years, the Russell 2 delivered an average annual return of 8.1, but the average three times ETF tracking the Russell 2000 delivered an average annual return of 4.3. Wait, so if you just owned the index, you made the 8.1. If you did, if you borrowed the money and did it at uh, three times, you only made four point three. Then it goes into the expense of all this, Don. I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about how you should be using low cost exchange traded funds and mutual funds. 
the expense ratios on these leveraged ETFs, again, this is the Wall Street Journal study, average 0.095, almost 1% a year versus to buy what they claim. an index. Yeah, to, versus 0.1 for non-leveraged index or for non-leveraged exchange traded funds. So, okay. So let's unpack this a little bit. First yeah, of all- Yeah, because this is really confusing now. It is I, confusing. I mean, yeah, how can you do- half as well when you've borrowed three times the number of stocks or you borrowed two times, you know, two extra times the stock in the portfolio with borrowed money. And here's the thing. What does the cost, how much does it cost to borrow all that? I mean, the cost of borrowing has got to be fairly high and then you got to figure out, can you make money even though you're doing that? That's one, right? I mean, that's a huge. And and, and these days that that expense is a lot higher than it was for sure. Yeah. Um, and they're using what? what? What do they use here? Options, I'm assuming, futures, margin. No, I mean, probably, there's all kinds of things. Well, maybe uh, you don't have to look at the portfolio. They may actually be borrowing money, just and then just buying those additional. It stocks. is distinctly possible. I don't know. Right. I never look. I have, I'll look at the portfolio. Okay, but. For this is, and by the way, they do rebalance, I believe, these every night, right? They have to sort of fix it up at the end of the trading day, sure. correct? Yeah, of course. And so that's a problem there. And, but I think the bigger problem is in the article, not that article, but another one says they're only designed to be held short term as they mirror the single day performance of the underlying asset. They're rebound, it does say here they're rebalanced nightly. Any gaps up or down in the underlying index can complicate matters. The compounding effect can work against the holder during periods of volatility. In other words, yeah. I mean, when I read this stuff and think about some of the tough times we've had in the market, wow, you really well, yeah. got to be and, tough. Uh, as a to matter of fact, I looked at Vanguard Small Cap Index, the fund. Yeah. Uh, in Just in 2022, the, uh, the return of that fund was a negative, almost 18%. Negative. Now, if you are multiplying that times three, well, you're looking at losing, well, <laughs> over half your money. Well, and I was I was thinking about this uh, because right now I'm reading a book called The Wager. It's not about betting. It's about a British uh, oh, the ship. Boat. I loved that book. Yeah. And, and here they are it's going around book. Cape Horn uh, facing <laughs> winds, waves, cold, shoals. Uh, getting lost, panicking. And I'm, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking spring of 2020. Cause remember how fast the market went down. You imagine if you're three times in that situation when the market went down, basically what, but around 25% in a few weeks, you did lose. Uh, if you're three times on that, you did lose somewhere around that half of your money in that period of time. That's in a, a wild ride. period of time. Very few people could take going around Cape Horn very few did on the wager. Um, and very few, I think, can take that kind of volatility. This to me, always when I read these things and think it through a little bit, this is the wants versus needs. Do you need to make two times the market? Do you really, or is it going to be okay if you make the market stocks and bonds for a long period of time? Most people, eh, I'd love to make more, but I don't want to, I'll be okay if I don't. That's one. And the other one that troubles me, frankly, you pointed out the 5% tracking here. Why? 5%? Why? Why? Look at, look at the, the three X. It wasn't even, it wasn't even close. Yeah. 
Why would that be? That always makes me nervous. Like, tell me what's going on here so that I can better understand how this fund really works, because I couldn't tell you why it would be so far off of what would you would expect. Um, a tracking year, yeah, right, on the 3X of 13.5 percentage points a year. Wow. I mean, that's a huge, huge difference. So, Well, I found out what they use. What they're using um, are hedging contracts, index swaps, where you're betting against w- with someone else as to the direction of the stocks. So it's it's an index, or it's, uh, I'm sorry, it's an option-like product. Okay, because uh, my wife already said no to the swaps the thing. Swapping That's not going to happen. That's not yeah, going to happen in my house. So in your in your wildest dreams, <laughs> really, really a good thing this isn't somewhere. the Saturday show, Daddy. Yeah. What? Um, exactly. Don't stop the car. Yeah. So so what they're doing is all of this stuff. There are interest rate rate swaps. There are index market index swaps. I got they, it. Okay. They're short term sure. things. Uh, they they they're they bet wrong is what happened. They just bet so wrong. I see. And then the market went against them and bang, you're just yeah. getting crushed. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, you're right. It's not even it's not even a do you want them. You shouldn't even want them. Uh, literally, you should not want them. Why in the world? I don't understand why people, some of you listening, well, a lot of you, want to gamble on the stock market or the bond market or whatever market it is. When you know the odds are so against you. I mean, they're worse. These odds are worse than Vegas, folks. Worse. Why don't you go? Every state in the union, I think, has a casino somewhere now. Of course. If you want to gamble this badly, please spend that kind of money at a casino where you're going to be helping your, you know, the state coffers a little. You're going to be helping a, a Native American tribe, possibly. And if you spend the kind of money you're spending on this kind of stupid stuff, they'll comp you a room, they'll feed you, and they'll get you drunk. Go have fun. Wait, you can't get drunk and buy a leveraged ETF at the same time? I I don't even think your broker's allowed to give you a drink. I I don't. I I may be wrong, but. No fun of any kind. I don't remember us handing out any alcohol in the office when I was one back in the day. When, By the way, and I was only 10, 15 years after the Mad Men era, so I'm sure there was drinking going on. Not my office. Yeah, right out front there. After work. Yes. For sure. Yeah. That was different era. People went out and did that kind of thing. Anyway, no, this is, uh, uh, you pointed out at the beginning, great product for Wall Street, lousy product for Main Street. And what I don't understand, did the Wall Street Journal come up with that headline, that that uh, the, the, the subhead? Because yeah, the article, right the nowhere did the article say, boy, these are good. In fact, the article pretty much said, what is wrong with these things? And the author, who was a professor, wasn't yep. he? Wasn't he yes, professor? he was. Yep. He didn't even explain why. That was a lazy, lazy, lazy article, Professor Horsemeyer. You would not get a very good grade in my class. We're going to call we're going to call George Mason and tell him you got to work harder. So, who? That's where he teaches George Mason. Oh, George Mason University. So we'll give okay. George a call and George, tell him. George George has been dead for a couple of days. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it won't work. Okay. Several thousand. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, do you have any questions? I've got some great questions. This comes from take Greg. Away the opportunity for you to make bad jokes, please. Greg in El Cajon, California. El Cajones. Uh, yeah, exactly. He <laughs> says, hi, guys. Love the show. I'm with a firm that uh, used to be a local San Diego firm that was purchased a couple of years ago by 
Mercer Advisors. I'm very mm-hmm. familiar with Mercer, of course. Yes. been around a long time. Yes. Then I got a notice they want to add Atlas Corporation to their other partners, GenStar Capital and Oak Hill Capital. I did not know about these firms. This sounds very convoluted to me, and I'm wondering if this is a smokescreen to hide non-fiduciary practices in their business while still claiming to be a fiduciary. I'm interested if you know any of these firms and what you think about this. Odds are good that they're not. These are all other advisory firms, I think, because there are a number of firms that go by similar names. But oak Hill Capital. I mean, there must be. Yeah, there's a, 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 a an Atlas. There's a couple strong of strong as an oak. Too. Really, hadn't heard. Yeah. Of um, now Mercer's Mercer's now based out of Denver, I believe. Uh, now I, their fees, what we're talking about, they, they've hired sub advisors. Yeah. These are people that are going to actually manage the money for their clients. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of like hiring yeah. a mutual fund or using yeah. a mutual fund to do it. It's just, they're hiring other managers, which a lot of bigger managers do sure. in large part to make you feel like you're even more special because yeah. a lot of what big advisory firms do is, uh, because they, they're going after high net worth clients. They really want to make you feel like you're getting something that no one else in we the world. We vet the very special can. people. Yeah. Yeah. So um, their fees are, uh, for us, high. And they Ed are. Mercer? Yeah, they're, they're, they're high. Uh, they're a wealth path, and it depends. on These are separately managed accounts. Yep. Uh, 1.3% for the first million. One for the next million. And then nine tenths of a percent for everything over two million. That's hot. I mean, that's uh, on that's the high. first million. That's thirty percent more than I think you should pay. But back yeah. to the question from Greg. No, I don't think this is a smokescreen. No, I don't think these people are. You're not the 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 act of fiduciary advice is not changing. The style of which your management you're getting may be, because I don't know what you signed up for at Mercer, because these people are probably active. They're 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 moving money around. They're they're looking at. Sm- squiggly charts doing stuff that's why i wouldn't work with them but i don't think the fiduciary aspect of your relationship has changed no yeah and uh, wow look at their minimum fee wow how much well on one type of account it's a four thousand a year on another it's ten thousand this is mercer now yeah okay yeah if you want to get the 1.1 percent on the first million your minimum fee is ten thousand dollars there you go a year wow yeah Okay. Because then got, they don't want small accounts. No, they don't. Yeah. I got uh, another one from Jason in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Hi, Don and Tom. Hope you're well. I listened to the August 31st episode about how VBR, which is Vanguard's small ETF, small cap ETF, and been thinking about my own portfolio. I'm in my mid-30s, have a notable percentage of my portfolio in VBR. I don't plan on making any major moves now the rest of the year, but in the future, should I be migrating my existing VBR over to DFAS or AVUV to truly have small cap exposure, or are the distinctions you mentioned in the episode not meaningful enough to justify the move? Remember, we talked about how the VBR actually ends up owning like 65 stocks from the S&P 500 due to the fact that these mega caps have moved the line up a lot, right? So that was the mm-hmm. point of that particular podcast. So should he move, yes or no? It depends on how there it it could be it could be a relatively significant di- difference, but we're still talking about fractions of a percent significance. But fractions of a percent in in the way we calculate returns and and try to to add 
uh, a little bit of value is it becomes significant over time. So if you don't mind the extra work it's going to add to your rebalancing load, if, this, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, adding a, 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 a more, the rules-based small caps like the DFA or the Avantas ought to, ought to, based on historic numbers, improve your returns a little bit because of one simple little fact. You're increasing your risk. That's why these 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 systems work. Value has tended to beat growth because, well, you're taking more risk. Small has tended to beat large because you are taking more risk. So if you increase the risk of the portfolio a bit, as you would, then you should eventually make more money. Well, and it may not, it, with Jason, it may not be rebalancing because if he's in his mid-30s, he's probably saving more money. So maybe just leave the VBR and then in the future buy the AVUV, which is Avantis' small cap value, or the DFAU, DFAS, which is Dimensional's product. You simply buy those into the future and maybe even balance between those because now you've got a fairly growthy small and a more value-oriented small in your portfolio. So rather than having to sell anything, you could just buy the other stuff as you move forward. I think that yeah, might make but more I'm sense. Just, it, it still adds complexity. And a lot of, you know, a lot of our listeners yeah. want the two fund solution or the one fund. Uh, and yeah. when you have, when you start adding in these other funds, it does add future complexity as some asset classes do a lot better than others. And now you got to move between all these different funds. Yeah, no, that's so, true. It does I, make I just more want, work. I yeah. want, it does make more work. Um, and the dollar amount of significance when you're young isn't going to be great. It's going to get great, though, as you continue to save and invest. So I would say if I was 35, I would want to be in at least one of the small value funds and the Vanguard small. That's just my take, because Sounds I think it will over time probably make enough of a difference. I'm I'm with you then. Wow. This Good is, answer. This must be the mellow Don McDonald just back from the oh, beach or something. The, yeah, like just you. back from the beach and uh, life is a never-ending parade. A never-ending beach, as it were. Yeah, life is a beach, yes. <laughs> and then you die. That's right. Well, thanks for being a part of our little get-together we call a podcast. We're glad you're out there. Um, and we hope, we hope in the future that you'll bring others along with you. Because one of the things we rely on to keep this show moving forward is your recommendations, your suggestions to others. You saying, hey, hey, you know all that money stuff? Well, you need a little bit of help. And I know I was on vacation and I talked to some guy and I really, 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 really wanted to give it to him with both barrels. But my wife looked at me like askance, like, don't bother. Guy who believed in trading. Yeah. It's like a religion. You, you just can't convince them nope, they're wrong. No reason to break it. Nope. Let them go. Uh, anyway. So uh, if you need a little help, we'll we'll give you some at our firm, Appella Wealth. We will. We'll give it to you for free. We Who said there's no free advice? There is. There's free advice at Appella Wealth, Tom. There is. We do it pretty much every day. You simply go to AppellaWealth.com or you go to, it's easier to go to Talking Real Money dot com yeah it is on Apollo Wealth. It, yeah you're gonna There's get a lot more there. there so yeah go there and ask for some help we do it every single moment love it love talking to you so do it yeah tom actually does a lot of it so thanks for being there we really 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 appreciate you oh and remember 
every Saturday. Call us live on our little radio show we do at 855-935-TALK. Saturdays, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, 855-935-8255. Take great care of yourselves and keep an eye on that money. You know, it is important. This is business. This isn't personal. They're really nice. I know, but you can fire them because you really need to be concerned about this because it's real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial product or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.